NBA Strayer. How are you going? Hey, again, NBA Strayer. It really is. And this is the week the NBA starts. Oh, America. Wait, that's right. Welcome to NBA Strayer. I'm your host, James Clements. I'm the editor of CodeBet. Go check that out, codebet.com.au. Uh, you might also see me on Fox Sports Lab NBA next to uh, Dicko, Ben Dixon. How good's that? You can see that on the internet. It's telly on the internet. <laughs> I'm a writer. That's what I do. Rolling Stone, Triple J, Junkie, whoever else, but mostly CodeBet. Go check it out. It's good times. I'm here in Larry Armour Studios. Feeling good, feeling great. A few tins in. It's been a big day. I've done some NBA drafts. Chilling out. Done some writing. We're here to give you all the lowdown and all the ins and outs of the NBA preseason. Because I'll tell you what, that's what we do here. We don't take things too seriously. We'll leave that for the nerds. Oh, but geez, three days out from the season. Jimmy, what's going to happen? Oh, we'll find out in a second. Can't wait. Well, in the last couple of days, we haven't gotten any more Draymond punch-ons, but Jordan Poole secured the bag. How good's that? Oh, yeah, cool, Draymond. I got punched in the fucking face by you. But also, I have 140 million bucks now. Suck a dick. I love it. Uh, and we've also got the, uh, oh, the good ones. Rank tier of teams for this season. Uh... A.K.A. Jimmy's teams that are really good, no shit, or duh, tier. Love that. We're going to go through the top 14 teams. Love it. Uh, some really quick year now as we'll talk about Box Hill Benny, the unpopular opinion of the day, Outback Takehouse, and we'll finish off with the Jingles HR. Let's bloody well get into it. Episode 848 of NBA Strayer. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack! Ah, you better, or at least you better remember to watch out for the Luke Longley attack. I'll just start there. Went to the Luke Longley thing. You might remember last week, last week's show. Did the show before I went to see Luke Longley, have a chat, met the great man himself. It was sick. I enjoyed this way too much, uh, but mostly it's all because of Luke Longley being what can really only be described as an absolute fucking dead set legend. Like, it's pretty basic, right? If you're not a shit bloke and you're actually pretty cool, we're all on board. And listening to uh, Big Lucian... Uh, tell his story last week it was fucking awesome. Meeting him after the show was really, really great. I'd like to thank Chris Anstey for putting on all the good stuff, doing a great job. Uh, but yeah, meeting a living legend was fucking really cool. But I don't know. More striking to me is a bloke of Luke's sort of stature who had very clearly sort of taken himself out of the limelight, out of the spotlight by design. When throwing yourself back into that sort of stuff, right? The way Luke has done it, just the sheer fucking, like, personality of that guy to really kind of give a fuck about everybody who's kind of there to see him. Like, he appreciates it. And uh, the amount of time that he had for all the fans. Like, I'm kind of... I hate that sort of stuff. I kind of want to be in, out, say good day, go, Luke, you're awesome. I'm not going to take up any of your time. Can I get a selfie? You fucking rule. On your Luke. How good with the 96 finals? Bye. But 
you know, there's going to be people there who are just like, you know, this is a fucking big, 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 big thing. And they're going to jump in. They're going to take a bit of time, and Luke just had so much time for people. I loved it. Loved every second of it. Just watching him sort of deal with it was really cool. So anyway, if you uh, get a chance to go see Lucian in person, do it. The storytelling was great. Uh, the big fireside chat that they had with Sam Lane was amazing. I got to chat with Tim Lane, her dad, broadcasting legend Tim Lane. It was really fucking cool. So great night. Enjoyed it. Right, there's that. Better watch out for the Luke Longley attack. He had some great Shaq stories as well. And one of the great turns of phrase from P-hole to freckle. God, I'm going to use that all the time now. Anyway, right, let's get into the show properly. How do we start every show here at WA Australia? How do we do it? How do we start every show? Oh, it's the daily. It's the weekly one at the moment. Ah, Delhi made it! That's right, King Delhi is officially the king. Our one true king. Matty Delvedova stuck in Sacramento. Now, this is like one of those things, like literally, I wake up. <laughs> This might sound a bit sad, uh, but I wake up every morning. Jimmy, do you wake up trying to tend to your one-month-old baby? No, I check my phone for notifications about Malifu Delavidova. I'm a good dad. Uh, no, finally the notification came through. The deli made the cut, sticking fat with the Kings this year, making him officially King Deli. First of his name, of Meribar, smasher of tins. Stopper of curries, decker of beals, legend of legends. Very happy. Uh, McCurr McCurr didn't make it. He was cut by Washington, bit of a sad one. Um, other Aussie news, Big Simo. Box Hill Benny himself, Ben Simmons, sat down uh, next to Nick Friedel from ESPN for, if you read that article, it very much feels like, oh, yeah, so Friedel got to sit next to Simo for eight minutes. Fucking awesome. Uh, being a journalist myself, you have those sort of moments where you're like, yep, we've got limited time. And I'll tell you what, you can tell a lot from the uh, abruptness of an interview. You can tell a lot about the thoughtfulness of answers in an interview as to uh, the interviewee's mindset. And i tell you what, big simo. Fucking hell. <laughs> God, just, he just fucking lives in a delusional bubble, doesn't he? Uh Interesting read, though. I enjoyed it. Friedel did a pretty good job. Hit on some really good points. Didn't sort of shy away from the big stuff. Um, you know, sort of big takeaways. This is where I feel comfortable. Like, he asked him, he was like, oh, was it a good play to get bent? And Ben's like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I feel comfortable on the court. Oh, yeah? So, it never occurred to you to maybe try and do that last last year? <laughs> Oh, uh, the great one was like, oh, what do you do? What do you what do you feel like when people say, Benny can't shoot? He's like, oh, well, they're going to say that, aren't they? Even if I hit a shot, what are they going to say? I still can't. Fuck, if I can't, I can't make everybody happy, no? Well, I think you can make people more happy if you just fucking try, you drongo. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, that's like saying, can Yana shoot, can he? Well, yes, Ben, because he very fucking clearly worked on it, you moron. <laughs> Fredell answers that by saying, well, not in the beginning, but now his shot is better. Simo responds saying, yeah, better, but what is it? Is it not taking as many sh- people as shots as people want me to? Is it not hitting every shot? Fans are always going to want to say something, and it's probably something like that they're like, yo, I can get in his head by doing this because I know this has always been something that people have spoken about. But at the same time, people say, Ben can make great plays, so... Right, there's a couple of things to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> it's such a great quote. But what is it? Is it not taking as many shots? No, it's just hitting some fucking shots, Ben. Like, it's pretty... 
fans are always going to say something. Yeah, because you're not shooting the fucking ball, Benjamin. And it's probably something like, yo, I can get in his head by doing this because I know this has always been something that people have spoken about. Yeah, because you're fucking saying that. <laughs> what are you doing? I can get in his head. Yeah, because you're very clearly thinking about it and saying it right now. You're saying the quiet part out loud, Benjamin. Jesus, but at the same time, people say Ben can make great plays. Only if you're on the fucking court. <laughs> what? Unbelievable. Anyway, anyway, I enjoy it. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit weird. Or, you know, you hear the criticism. It finds me all the time and it doesn't fucking stop. Sometimes I'm even sick of it. Then put down your fucking phone. You know what Kobe would have done with this sort of shit? Jesus. Even the other day, there was a clip of me airballing a shot at the park. Meanwhile, like 10 other guys airballing. It's always somebody else, isn't it? Oh, poor me. There were other dudes airballing shots as well. Yeah, but they didn't look like fucking goobers looking at do it, trying to do it. Like, what are you doing? You think I'm just airballing every shot? It's not true. Okay. <laughs> but you got to have tough skin, and I realize that. But I can't take everything personally. It's social media. It sounds like you're taking it personally, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. Why do you think there's so much ire directed towards you, Ben? Because people know what I can do, what I'm capable of. I believe that's what it is. Like, if I was somebody that wasn't capable of doing certain things, I don't think people would be on my ass so much. No, it's because you very clearly can do good shit, but wow, you're very clearly not giving give much of a fuck about getting better at it. Anyway, um... The uh, the other sort of like last two little bits were like he was like oh yeah I never really spoke to Joel we never really spoke we weren't really friends like oh yeah cool so all that shit that you spoke about for years and years oh it's a brotherhood we're you know like, you know you're out there it's not it's just all about brotherhood it's all right cool throw that shit out the the window is it the same with Kyrie now is it the same with Kevin it's got to be right anyway um good on him happy for him. It finishes off, though, saying, would you say you're in the best place that you've been in for a while? Simo says, for sure, I think so. You know what? I know so. The fact that he literally says, for sure, I think so, then double takes and goes, you know what? I know so. (laughs) He's got a fucking brain like Swiss cheese, I swear. Anyway, so, look, I'm going to get to this Brooklyn, Simo, KD, Kyrie stuff. Uh when we do the next show, when we sort of talk about the awards or whatever. But I'm also going to hit on in Brooklyn when we do these top 14 teams in a second. But I'll tell you what, that very, very brief chat with Simo was revealing in a way that the self-aggrandizing bullshit that we heard on the uh, JJ Redick one didn't really sort of lean into. This was just a fucking mishmash of somebody who wants to... Say words, but can't really eloquently explain himself, but also is trying to be mysterious and doesn't want to give too much away because he's afraid of what will happen then. It's like, if you think about any interview you've heard LeBron give for ages, there's a much more studied approach of that exact same sort of vibe, right? Where it's like, I want to say stuff without saying stuff. And LeBron's become very, very, very good at it. Ben Simmons is not very good at it. Because the subtext is this, was I didn't get along with Joel. 
I hated my time in Philly. Fans get in my head and it stays there and I think about it. And no, I'm not working on my game. <laughs> it's just, it's fucking chaos to me. I love it. Anyway, uh, other little tiny little bit of news. Uh, Draymond, you might remember, punched his fucking teammate in the head. He's like, hey, Jordan Poole, bang! Put his hips into it. Great fucking strike. Uh, not ideal because it was his teammate. He was fined by his team. And uh, we're going to handle it internally, so Steve Kerr. And uh, apparently, the way they handled that by is by saying, look, it's fine, everybody on the Warriors, if Draymond decides to punch you in the fucking head because he wasn't suspended. I'm going to talk about that again later. But uh, tell you what, <laughs> that is certainly a way of approaching a problem. Uh, last little bit, Russell Westbrook uh was reassigned to the bench. It's not a demotion. It's a rethinking of our approach, according to the Lakers. And then suddenly, Rusty goes out there with the bench unit, bricks two threes, has two turnovers, and then leaves with a hamstring injury. (laughs) You couldn't script it. I love it. All right, let's take a quick break. I'll next some beers, and then I'll come back with uh, the top 14 teams. The top 14, oh, fuck, they're pretty good here. Right after. Oh, no, not that one. I'll tell you what, this new iPad has fucking thrown me for a loop. All the drops are just all over the shop. <laughs> after this. This is Shane Hill, and you're listening to NBA Australia. The 2022-23. Oh, fuck, they're pretty good. Tier of NBA teams, 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 teams. I love it. Did I just blame the iPad? It's like, yeah, Jimmy, it wasn't the eight beers you've had before now. <laughs> yeah, I keep pressing the wrong buttons, man. It's, I don't know what it is. It's nothing to do with the 70 beers I have had today. Now, let's get into it. Right. I'll tell you what. So we finished off last week, um, last week's show sort of detailing all the shit teams where it was essentially, look, they'll be good, some of them, some of them will be fine. Some of them will be better than fine. But this is where they land in my preseason ranks, the over-unders, etc. my sort of projections. And the sort of cutoff that I eventually came to was that uh, if any of those bottom 16 teams lose essentially one of their top three guys there just completely fucked and like the last two teams on that list were Atlanta and Miami and I was sort of like I had thought about this where I'm like if Miami are out bam if they're out Butler like either of those two dudes it puts a bit of a cap on their win totals and the same sort of goes for Atlanta where you saw them last year sort of stumble their way ass backwards into what 43 wins I had them pegged at 46 for this year, just sort of trying to balance out that DeJunte Murray, Trey Young partnership. And the thing sort of still stands, right? If like there's one injury to Trey or DeJunte or John Collins, that's a total cocktail. Like it does sort of stymie the upside of Atlanta. And so the rest of those teams, so to recap, Utah Spurs, Indy, OKC, Orlando, Detroit, Houston, Charlotte, Portland. That's a team that could just be douche. Charlotte too. 
Wizards, Sacramento, Chicago, the Lakers, and the New York Knickerbockers of New York City. And then we had Miami and Atlanta. And I sort of think that's kind of a good way of thinking about them. If they have one injury, then it just really sort of, it might not completely, completely tank their season, but it derails it to a degree that it probably doesn't derail the top 14s that I'm about to talk about now. So with that in mind, let's do the damn thing. Uh, I think these are basically all pretty even. And this is probably the biggest thing that I've taken out of doing this preseason prep for this NBA 22-23 extravaganza. Uh, This fucking goddamn NBA season is flatter than the tire on the old Barina out the back, the old paddock bomb. (laughs) She's fucked. Oh, Dad picked her up for a socket five or a box of wobba. Yeah, but... Gotta have airs in the tire to take it around the paddock. Anyway, <clears throat> it's very flat. So we just talked about how Miami and Atlanta have 46 wins on this sort of projection. 42 for the Lakers and Knicks, etc. 40 for Chicago, Sacramento. Got a tier here at 48. Four teams fall into this one. The Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, and the Cavs. A lot of this is to sort of do with the teams above them more than anything else because the T-Wolves... I think are going to be fucking awesome this year. I think the Pelicans are going to be awesome this year. I think the Grizzlies will be awesome this year, and I think the Cavs will be awesome this year. But because there are so many teams that you can say that about, there's another fucking 10 teams above them. We have to sort of cap like win totals to a degree and sort of build in a bit of risk, right? So the Wolves, a lot of that's to do with, like, how do you fit in Rudy Gobert next to Cat with Anthony Edwards? And with D'Angelo Russell still thinking he's the best fucking player on that team. <laughs> you know? It's going to be amazing watching D'Lo go, guys, i got this. And everyone going, no, D'Angelo, would you fuck off? Jesus, every time. So I've got them at 48. It's still an improvement over last year. It's actually a half, half a win under their over-under total, I realized. And I kind of think with just how competitive the West is going to be this year. It's so hard to give the Wolves like a 50-win season. But if their defense actually improves enough, that loss column might not get above 30. So it does feel like, yeah, there might be a 50-win team there. But just with the questions around D'Angelo, with how Cat and Rudy actually, you know, fit next to each other and the time it takes, will just depress that total win total at 48. Uh, The Pelicans, I fucking love the Pelicans this year. Absolutely love them. And this is like, I think, four and a half wins over their uh, projected overrunner, which is like 43 and a half. So it's one of the bigger up jumps, I think, of the teams that I've looked at. But I kind of think it should almost be more as well. I think the Pelicans can be a wagon. But again, similar to the Wolves, we're going to depress the wins total just because we saw CJ, we saw Spindles Ingram, we saw My Name is Jonas Valanciunas, they crushed it in the last third of last year after CJ got there. They were awesome. It was really fun. They add Dyson Daniels. They add Zion. The big rig. The same time, when you're adding shit to stuff, you know, you've got to accommodate it. There's got to be room. 
It's just going to be a little bit tricky, I think, with the Pelicans after Spindles was like, yes, this is great. Me and CJ McCollum, McCollum, we fucking fit. We're crushing it. We're great. We're awesome. Ah, and Zion walks and goes, hey, just like I said when I went into McDonald's the other day, give me fucking everything, bro. It's going to be the ball. It's going to be the rebounds. It's going to be the ego. It's going to be the superstar. I just got the max fucking extension vibe. I'm just a little bit wary of that. I think they're going to be awesome. But I'm just going to depress that win total just a little bit at 48. The same goes for Memphis. Look, I fucking love Memphis. If you've listened to the old NBA Australia, you know I love Memphis. 56 wins last year. Second best team in the uh, entire goddamned NBA. I'm going to put it down at 48 just because without Jaron Jackson Jr. there to start the season, I think it just gets a bit wobbly in terms of their bigs. Jar, look, we know that they went 20-5 and five without him last year. I think he, we're going to talk about this later this week when we do our awards preview. Uh, yeah, he's going to be fucking awesome. He's going to be an MVP candidate. Don't worry about that. I just think there might be a couple of extra holes in that Memphis team. You know, around Desmond Bain, around Dylan Brooks. You don't have D'Anthony Melton anymore. It's just a kind of like a bit of a... Uh, Young teams that go absolutely fucking hammer and tongs one year, they don't always progress on a linear curve. Like Memphis might just have like a bit of a wonky season here and there. Their over-under is actually 48 and a half, and I've got another. Turns out that's a half win under it, but I think they're still going to be awesome. And the same sort of goes for the Cavs, right? They bring in Donnie Mitchell to put next to Colin. Uh, they they in return for Colin, the sex-man Sexton, put him next to Darius Rocker, Judy Garland, Evan Mobley. Jarrett, go the throw. Allen, my sweet baby carrots, the vert. Love the Cavs. 48 wins, though. That's a four-win improvement over last year. This is basically just sort of taking into account that defensively, Darius and Donnie, it's a small backcourt, man. It's a small backcourt. Might not matter, considering they've got the Twin Towers out there. And I still just love the, like, the structure of the Cavs, right? For 48 minutes, they can roll either Donnie or Darius in the backcourt with one of the bigs, Jared Allen or Evan Mobley, at all times. Like, that's fucking awesome. You sort of move some pieces in and out around them, and away you go. But I think it'll just take a little bit of getting used to, and they'll sort of have some wonky results early on uh, before settling the ship and then sort of really turning it on. But it might just take a little bit. This is what happens when you add some stuff, you make some big changes right out of the gate. It might just be a little bit wonky. So we've got them at 48. It's still a four-win improvement over last year. The next tier, the 50-win tier. Three teams in the Atlantic Division. It's the Toronto Raptors, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Boston Celtics. Oh, but Jimmy, but Jimmy, how can you say that? The Raps, Boston, Brooklyn, all the same thing. Hey, I'll tell you this. The Atlantic Division is fucking crazy. Philly, Boston, Brooklyn, Toronto, the Knicks. I've got them all over 42 wins. I don't think that's even mathematically possible, but no one's checking that, so whatever. The point being, Brooklyn, if healthy, 50 wins. They might combust by November. November 18. There we go. There's an (laughs) over-under. But this is what I've been looking forward to. Everybody's like, oh, man, just trade Ben Simmons to Houston. Just... Just make it Ben Simmons plus shooters and we'll see what happens. Why does that have to happen on a shit team? How about you just go Ben Simmons and shooters on a good team? I ask you. 
And why not have two of those shooters be two of the greatest basketball players we've ever seen? Kevin Durant and the fucking lunatic Kyrie Irving. I'm excited. Put around, you know, Patty Thrills, Patty Mills, Joey Harris, Seth Curry. It's Simo plus shooters. Great, let's go. The problem is they kind of just need a shooting big. A rim-protecting shooting big. They don't grow on trees, Jimmy. Yeah, they don't. They need their version of Brook Lopez, but... At the same time, I think there's success there. And if they're healthy, they win the, They win 50 games easy. Just saying. The Raptors, got to trust the process. Got to trust the uh, the brains trust, the Masai Ujiri brains trust. They're going to be unreal. Scotty Barnes, Scoob, the OG Ananobi, Freddie Van Vliet of the Fighting Van Vliet. They're just long and they're guns. Pascal Sikkim, Siakam, they're just going to be a pain in your ass the entire season. I just think there's like going to be institutional knowledge that comes with the Raptors that gets them to 50 wins in their sleep. I do worry about their top end, sort of like, how much can we kick this into gear? But 50 wins is easy, I think. Uh, Boston, same vibe, right? They lose their coach. Imo Yudoka's done skish. I've done, gone, and rooted the wrong person. I've been weird about it, he says. 50 wins for his... uh, Former team. They bring in Malcolm Brogdon, El Presidente. Danilo Gallinari does his knee after they've paid him. Tough scene. But I think this Boston team will be a bit scrappy. Not as good as last year. You won't have Emo Udoka to kick their ass into gear, but the sheer talent should get them to 50 and 32. Uh, it's a one-win drop from last year. And you're like, oh, geez, is a coach only worth one win? It's more about if they had Udoka, I feel like this team is a 56-plus win team. No stress at all, right? But without him, it's going to take some adjustment. Bringing a new backup point guard behind Marcus Smart in El Presidente. It's going to help things, but it might just take a little bit of ironing out. So we're at 50. Three more teams at 52. They're all West teams. Denver, Dallas, Clippers. Oh, geez, Denver. I love them this year. Obviously got them at 52. They won 52. Not last year. That was uh, the team above them. Uh, they won 48 this year, last year. And they bring back Jam and Jamal Murray at some point. Michael Porter Jr. The only shot he never liked was the vaccine. They're going to be so good. They replaced their shit players with better versions of those shit players. Contavious Caldwell Pope comes in, replacing Will the Thrill Barton. Monty Morris says, Ah! You bring in Ish Smith, that's fine. But you also snag Bruce Brown from Bo- uh, Brooklyn. I'll tell you what, it's not the big headliner move of the offseason, but it might be one of those impactful ones where you're uh, sitting in the second round of the playoffs going, Wait, how are they getting so many shitty, easy buckets this team? And you realize it's all the back cuts of Bruce Brown. It's the defense that Bruce Brown's playing. I love this Denver team. I've only got them at 52. I was tempted to go much higher. You've got an MVP, back-to-back. Nikola Jokic, hello. Jam and Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr., if they come back and stay healthy. An improved roster around him. I love this team. I think they're a fucking championship smoky, I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, while they figure out that, they get to 52 and 30, no hassles. 52 and 30 for Dallas as well. Luca, look, he gets Christian Wood. They lose Jalen Brunson. That means you have to play Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer, 
even more. Maybe a bit more Josh Green, but they bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway, the lesser. Never met a shot he didn't like. Loves jacking it. He's like, uh, you know, your mate in year 10. It's like, what were you doing yesterday? He's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, gross. <laughs> um, but Dallas would be really, really good. As long as Luke, Luke is healthy, he's going to come in. He's going to rip off an MVP year. He'll be right at the top of consideration for that. He'll have this team singing. Defense in threes, it's all they're going to be. They're going to be crushing it. Christian Wood gives them a different kind of look, kind of like it's better improved version of the old Zinger Burger. I'll tell you that much. Extreme Zinger Meal. Insofar as that he's actually like vaguely consistent. So should be good. Then you got the Clippers, 52 and 30. Oh, boy. Don't know how we're going to trust this, but we'll find out. <laughs> Are you a fun guy? Yeah, I'm a fun guy. 52 and 30, the Clippers. Paul George, Kawhi, they are the deepest team in the NBA. They bring in John Wall. They barely needed John Wall. They're that good. They've got so many other options. Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, the duck man. G-man. They've got Zoobs. They've got a Mariah. They've got everything sort of just that they need. Nicky Batum. But it all comes down to Kawhi, doesn't it? <laughs> if he plays 56 games they'll win a lot if he plays 32 they might be a bit shitty but they'll still be pretty good 52 and 30 is where I landed they could be more they could be like the you know 58 wins but I'm going to land on 52 just to build in a couple of uh, built in Kawhi related Paul George related risks but they are going to be fucking good now Phoenix 54 28, they won 64 games last year. It's a 10-game drop. Yeah. Have you also heard that there's a bit of fucking chaos going in Phoenix? Jay Crowder's like, yeah, I hate it here. Get me out. I demand a trade. DeAndre Ayton hasn't spoken to his coach since last fucking season. Resigns because, uh, well, doesn't resign. He gets the offer sheet from Indy. Phoenix match it just to fuck with him. That's just a great vibe there in the Suns land, isn't it? Chris Paul's older than me. Like, what are we doing? Jesus. Devin Booker's pretty good, though. Michael Bridge is pretty good. Cam Johnson's pretty good. So they still get to 54 wins, almost despite themselves. Just don't know if they get to 64. Gold State, I've got 54 as well. And that's more about institutional knowledge. Young dudes, the vets. Draymond punching whoever the fuck he wants in the head, apparently, and getting away with it scot-free. Uh, cool, sh- cool show you're running there at Golden State. Let's look at that again in a second. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but they won 53 games last year, 54 seem look, they'll probably be around there again, simply because the young dudes will be better, the young dudes can play a bit more, they'll have Clay back at much more full strength than he was in the second half of last year, they can rest Steph a little bit, they can lean on Jordan Poole, go, this is why we're paying you $140 million for four years, I didn't mention that at the top, but yeah, he and Wigo signed their big contracts, big extensions, good on them, it's a lot of money. And Golden State will just sort of cruise. They'll look like absolutely dominating at times, and then they'll probably put the brakes on. So 54 feels about right. Uh, it's a one and a half above their overrunner, which is 52 and a half. So. But Golden State will be right there, uh, the top of the West. And then the top two teams that we've got in Jimmy's ranks of who are the good fucking teams, mate? Philly Millie Walkie. It's a Godwin for the good land. That's right, Pete. Uh, 56-26, I've got them both up. 
Both teams went 51 wins last year. Uh, I have Philly at 50.5 for the over-under. It's now, what's that, 5.5 above that, which is crazy. I think that might even be a bit short, just saying. And Milwaukee, 52.5 is their over-under. I've got them, so both teams at 56. It's pretty simple. Milwaukee should have won the title last year. Chris Middleton doesn't hurt his MCL in, what, the second uh, second game of the first round. I think Milwaukee win the title last year. He gets injured. They do not. Philly. If Skinny Harden's for real, all they did this offseason was get better. They had PJ Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, Daniel House Jr., and Montrez. Basically, if you're going to add just a little bit more quality depth around Embiid, Harden, the never nude Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, Aussie Matty T. Look, it just gives them so many more looks, and it means that, look, when they maybe sort of have the hardened two-week absence or Embiid sits for like a few weeks, you can just plug and play Montrez, Paul Reed, off you go. And they should cruise to 56. That's the thing, right? So all of those 14 teams I just sort of listed off, the T-Wolves, the Pals, the Grizzlies, the Cavs, the Raps, the Nets, and the Celtics, Denver, Dallas Clippers, Phoenix, Golden State, Philly, Milwaukee. If they even cop one injury to one of their sort of top three dudes, they're so deep and so talented. Each of those teams will probably still be able to ride it out to a degree of we're pretty fucking good and probably better than the teams below us. Atlanta, Miami are in that weird sort of crazy creamy middle where if one of their top three dudes gets hurt, it's going to get bumpy, but they won't completely fall, like the ass won't fall out of it. The teams below that, if one of their dudes gets, like main dudes gets hurt, the ass might just fall out of their entire season. So that's kind of the line of demarcation we're playing at, right? So it's essentially the 13 teams above and below Atlanta, Miami at 46 wins. So the Bucks and Philly top this sort of rank just because the Bucks all they did was add Jingle and Joe Ingles and uh, Marjon Beauchamp in the draft. But they get back Middleton, they're going to be fine. And they will undoubtedly add some dude halfway through the season um, and go from there. So one of those things we go, how did they get Mike Conley? How did that? How does that even happen? <laughs> you know, that sort of vibe. And uh, away they roll to an East final. But... I think that kind of sums it all up, right? So if you think about this, in the East, we've got Milwaukee, Philly, and then you've got that sort of weird, creamy middle of Boston, Brooklyn, Toronto, Cavs. Then we get to that, that's the top six. Then we hit into the Atlanta-Miami territory. That's the top eight. Then you got the Knicks, Chicago, top ten, Wizards, Charlotte, Detroit Basketball City, Orlando and the Indiana Pacers. It feels about right for me in my brain. Then in the West, you've got Golden State, Phoenix, the Clippers, Dallas, and Denver. And then you drop down to Memphis, Pelicans, T-Wolves, Lakers. Lakers. The Lakers stink! They really do, at least in preseason. Sacramento, Portland. Ugh. That Portland 32 just... I just don't know where I think... The over-under is 39.5. I've got to go on it. Anyway... Uh, Houston, OKC, Spurs, Utah. That feels right in my brain as well. So 
There's the over-unders. There are the tiers and the rankings heading into the year. Let's quickly take a break. Come back with some yeah nows, then get the fuck out of here. And get back to previewing the season. <laughs> Over on Codebet, that's what I'm doing. Be back in a second right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. Alright, let's do some ENRs. Before I do it, just go check out Codebet, would you? Read all my stuff. Check it all out. Got the boys working some good stuff lately. You might see my mug in the paper every day. Oh, God. <laughs> How much fun is that? Ah, uh, yeah, you made Jimmy's a bit busy. Anyway, see some ENRs. Go check out codebet.com that you're off fire. Uh, right, the pool Wiggins extensions, they have the right move. Yeah, nah. 109 million bucks for Andrew Wiggins. Four years. 140 million for Jordan Poole over the next four years. Look, A, it's not my money. B, the cap and the Warriors are operating on sort of different principles, I think, where they know the cap's going to go fucking apeshit in two years' time and these numbers won't matter. <laughs> right? It's like we're just locking up our core right now. Away we go. Back up, though. Came out the Draymond's fine, not suspended. Jimmy, is that a bit fucked? Yeah, nah, yeah, it is. Like, what are we doing here? So we've actually got uh, a couple of listener yeah, nahs about this as well. And uh, it's very much just like a sort of weird combo of uh, everyone going, yep, so uh, that doesn't seem great. And other folks going, oh, yeah, it just happens all the time. It's like, I don't know. That was a pretty big punch. And my vibe with that is, okay, so we're going to let Draymond just fucking punch your teammates in the fucking face because they're getting lippy. So Jazz Ozzy asks, I hope the new Squidler's doing well, Jimmy. Got it? Yeah, nah, you might be already covering me. Here it is. The Warriors should bench Draymond indefinitely until they can strike up a deal with the Lakers to get rid of him. He's drunk too much of his own bathwater and think he's the iron team, and he'll ruin their culture if they keep him around too much longer. See, I like it. I love it. But also, it's that weird combo of his approach is the culture, and they sort of balance it out with Steph and Clay and their personalities with that Draymond personality. And that is the Warriors thing. What I don't like is that they are basically sending a message going, yeah, look, team culture's all great, but look, also, Draymond's more important than you can, so fucking deal with it. He can punch in the face if he feels like it and you're getting lippy with him. So maybe you shouldn't just talk to Draymond because you'll get fucking smashed, mate. (laughs) I mean, talk shit, get hit, but at the same time, that's fucked. I feel like... From the outside, which is obviously where we all are, you got to suspend him 10 games. Go, look, Draymond, 
You can't go around punching your fucking teammates in the fucking face. He's like, oh, I bet no, I'm Draymond. I do what I want. It's like, all right, fuckhead, you're suspended. You know, I'm all for like figuring it out in practice. Oh, it's Steve Kerr got punched by Michael Jordan. Yeah, that's Michael Jordan. This is Draymond fucking Green. <laughs> this is a bloke who basically looks like he's shooting wearing a backpack on. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, but he's really important to everything they do. Yeah. So sitting for 10 games at the start of the season, give the young fellas a bit of a chance to get their fucking breath back and, like, you know, walk around like they're not going to get their head kicked in and go from there. It's a bloke who averaged a triple single last year, seven, seven, seven. Seriously? We're going to bend all the rules for this motherfucker? Jesus. Thanks for coming, Draymond. Yes, he's very important to what they do. I also think it's important what messages you send with the way that you deal with this sort of stuff. If Steph was to punch somebody in the fucking face, (laughs) maybe not suspend him. Draymond, who causes all sorts of fucking shit behind the scenes anyway, you got to fucking draw a line somewhere, don't you? What happens next? Just fucking crane kick a motherfucker in the face? Actually, that'd be sick. This is probably more dangerous anyway. Uh, last two. Jimmy, is Ben Simmons a bit delusional? Yeah, nah. Nah, I think he's just a fucking, you know, bubble-surrounded, uh, non-curious kind of dude who doesn't have much time for self-reflection. <laughs> Seriously, just go and read that story and marvel at the sheer lack of a sort of self-knowledge that I think that that man has. You know? It's like, best of luck to you, Benny. But Jesus. Uh, last one, one and three preseason. Rusty, hammy, other Lakers cook before they even play a normal regular season game. Yeah, nah. I mean, to a degree, yeah, but also, nah. Look, if AD and LeBron are healthy, they won't be cooked this season. They'll be fine. They'll pull it together a bit, but it's not exactly a balanced roster. (laughs) But as soon as they get, like, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald from Indiana, they'll be fine, you know? But also, jeez. That's why they're in that injury tier in the uh, rankings, right? Like if one of AD or LeBron goes down, the other one just by themselves can't really carry it to a playoff spot. That's why you're in that tier. Oh, boy. Tough saints, tough saints. Unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look, Jordan Poole's good, but... I know that the salary cap's going to spike and it's not going to matter that you're paying 35 million bucks to the best version of Jamal Crawford, but I'm not entirely convinced that paying 35 million bucks to a six man is <laughs> it's a really great idea. Oh, we're going to replace Steph at some point. We're going to replace Clay at some point. Yeah. Is Jordan Poole worth that? You know, I just, I just don't know. I Look, he has those moments and those flashes where you're like, Jesus, this dude might be like a top 25 player. But then he'll just disappear. 
And that's not usually the guy you want to pay 35 million bucks to. You want to pay $35 million for like tangible, consistent performance. You don't give 35 million bucks to like Mercurial. You don't pay Mercurial. I'm just saying. It might be a bit unpopular because I look, Jordan Poole just got punched in the head. He secured the bag. More power to him. I mean, he is only what, third year? He's going into his fourth year. 18.5 points last year. Shot the shit out of it. 36% from three. Not giving him much in terms of like ulterior stats, but I mean, four assisted, two and a half turnovers is pretty brutal. And then you think about like his playoffs. He had some incredible moments. Dropped like 31 in that Memphis game. It was massive early on against Denver. Did some great stuff against the, uh, the Mavericks. And that was pretty solid all the way through the finals. I mean, a shocker in game one where they uh, lost to Boston. But it's just maybe this is the year where the consistency, consistency kicks in and they can see something where they're like, yep, we need to lock that away and pack her up, boys. Off we go. I just don't know. Yeah. All right, real quick one. Our yeah, back take house. Oh, geez. What do you reckon? It's Monday at Outback. You know what that means? Oh, yeah, Bloomin' Onions, two for one, with every main. That's right, Bloomin' Onions. No one knows what the fuck these things are back in Australia. What is it? A deep-fried onion? You mean an onion ring? Nah, it's like a fucking flower made of an onion that's deep-fried. What the fuck is this shit? I don't know. Anyway, two for one, only at Outback. And today's Flame Grill take is... The Warriors paid Wiggins and Poole just to get Draymond to play better this year. It's their way of lighting a fire under his ass, going, look, we paid these blokes more than you, you fucking nong. Now, that's 100% an operating cost to go get him fired up and to go win another title. Only at Outback. The actual original Outback takeout was, I feel like you know that in that $140 million contract that Jordan Poole signed, there was a clause in there saying that I get to punch Draymond Green in the face once. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for today as well. That's it for uh, the preseason ranking stuff. We'll uh, do one more preseason show where we do the awards and shit. Try to get there. I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll see how we go. Got a pretty crammed week. Got our NBA Australia drafts, fantasy drafts on Monday night. Do NFL Australia on Tuesday. Got a big launch on Wednesday. Fuck. <laughs> I want to do it Tuesday really quickly. Either I'll fly through it for you. Um, we'll have some other, uh, you know, the picks and shit like that as well. Uh, Jimmy's top five best bets, I think, for the season. We did a ride on them last year, so might as well keep them going. Um, either way, that's it. We'll be back in a couple of days. Keep an eye out. Keep your ears out. And then we'll sort of uh, be operating on a whenever Jimmy can do the show schedule and wrap up every single game of the season, though, for you. That's what we do here. Uh, so make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, FaceEIGs. Go get around CodeBet. That's my new gig. Go check out our videos. Go watch Fox Labs, Fox Sports Lab NBA. That's me, Ben Dixon. Good times. Me uh, in a suit jacket. <laughs> Imagine that. Go check out NFL Australia. That's myself and Gaz chopping it up each week about the NFL. It's been really good so far this season. 
Uh, get around nbsradio.com slash shop. Go get your merch. Get your merch. Go buy a t-shirt or a hoodie, would you? Come on. Uh, you can also do that for the socials. Uh, rating review on your iTunes, your Apple Podcast, whatever. On your podcast app, rate and review it or I'll fight ya. And big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and address song. They rule. Love them. And uh, their new band, House Hats. Go check out their band too. Running out of time is the album. Big thanks to Joshua Delorentis, Fascinated Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa Sex Jedi, Green Green Green, and Dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, whatever. Spotify. Remember, NBA Australia Sports Australian Band, so should you. And we're going to close out today's show with a very, very quick... Ah, <laughs> oh, Jingles HR. Look, Jingles is recovering from his knee injury. He's still out there doing HR, so why the bloody hell not? All right. I'll speak to you later this week, you dickheads. Have a good one. This is uh, your old mate NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, will you? And later and uh G'day, Joe Ingalls here, head of Jingles HR. That's right, when I'm not out there sinking threes, busting my knee, or chasing away some bees. I had a bee problem the other day. I'm the world's leading HR specialist, that's right. NBA player, HR specialist, Jingling Joe Ingalls. That's what we do. And here at Jingles HR, we answer all your HR-related questions. And this week we have a doozy. It comes from an email in Boston, Massachusetts. Dear Joey, he writes, I've gotten into a spot of bother by rooting a co-worker. People have uh, turned on me very quickly and do not like this at all because apparently I got a bit weird about it and I don't know, I just was a bit possessive, I just think. It's on me, really. I apologise, but still, I got suspended for a year. Have you got any tips about what I can do in the meantime? Cheers, big ears, email. Oh, mate. <laughs> I really. Email, mate. I'll tell you what. You might have, uh, might have screwed the pooch here. I mean, pardon the, uh, expression. Jeez. But really, my tip here is you're up shit creek, mate, because the one big sterling rule of Jingles HR is don't shit where you eat. What are you doing? Don't be out there rooting. In your organisation. It's pretty bloody simple. Now, you've got 12 months, apparently, that it uh, sort of seems, if you've been suspended for that long, uh, to figure your shit out and just basically have that printed on a poster, put it up on a wall in your office and saying, I will not root you if you work here. That's what you should spend the next 12 months doing, just making sure you don't fucking do it again. Mate, what are you doing? That's dumb as shit, eh, mate? I thought you were smart, mate. Anyway, there you go. Don't shit where you eat. So that's all we've got time for this week. I think that'll uh, hopefully sort itself out there, Emay, and you don't do it again. Lesson learned, eh? All right, there's been Jingling Joe Ingles. There's been Jingles HR. Go get a job up, yeah. <laughs>